morning, Northgate and friends. Welcome to our Sunday morning teaching. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bless your word this morning. Holy Spirit, just speak to our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we're making our way through the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 this week. We did chapter 7 last week, obviously. But in chapter 7, we learned that Paul is now answering some questions to the church in Corinth that they've written to him. So in chapter 7, it was about singleness and marriage, and we learned some things through that. But in chapter 8, he attacks another question that they have asked. So we will read in chapter 8, verse 1 of the book of 1 Corinthians, Now concerning things offered to idols. So in the city of Corinth, we know that there were many idols. And what was going on was they would sacrifice animals to those idols. And a portion of that meat obviously would be burned for the sacrifice, but a portion would be given to the priest. And then the last portion called the shambles would be sold in the market. So what was happening in Corinth is the question they had is, could Christians buy that meat because it was at a discounted price because they sacrificed so much and then eat it or even so eat it in a public place? So Paul here is going to answer, can we, answer, can we eat those shambles or shall we not eat those things because they were sacrificed to an idol. So he wants to answer them, but as usual, as we are beginning to learn, the problem is never the problem. It's not so much the meat, and Paul has so much more to talk to us about this issue. So he goes on and says, We know that we all have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by God. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For, an even, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some with consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat we are the worse. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? Verse 11. And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren, 
and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Their question, can we eat meat? Short answer, and you probably figured it out through the chapter. Yes, of course you can eat it, because there's only one God. Idols mean nothing. So it doesn't matter uh, what is sacrificed to them. You could eat what you want. Your value is not determined in what you eat. And you have freedom in Christ to do that. But the greater point maybe being is not everyone will have that freedom. So you need to be careful if my action and my freedom in Christ is causing someone else to stumble because their conscience is pricked, well then I need not do it because I do not want to cause my brother or my sister to sin. So I have all freedom, but if someone else's conscience isn't as free as mine, I need to beware to consider my sisters and my brothers before my own freedom. So that's the short answer, but obviously he's going to go much deeper. And we see that in verse one in regards to this, with this verse, that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Now he's writing this church to build a community. He's, he's writing to a whole group of people. These people are struggling with division. And even in this question, they're almost judging one another. Is this okay? They're doing that. They're not doing that. What is okay? We've talked in the past about judgment on secondary issues that has no place in the church, but he has to address it again because it seems to be a problem in Corinth. But we know it's not just a problem in Corinth. It's a problem everywhere. We have Christians judging one another on secondary issues where some might feel free, others not. I'm a better Christian, you're a worse Christian, I'm going to look down on you. What is it? I don't know today. What is the issue? What is meat offered to idols that some eat? What is it for us? I don't know. What is it? Drinking, obeying the laws, it's secondary things. In our day of COVID, how we are personally our consciences doing things in COVID. Well, I believe this, you believe that. Um, I'm not talking about laws, I'm talking about secondary things. And if I think, well, I'm free, I'm not stuck, and I put myself and my belief on others and judge them, or you're not obeying uh, how I perceive the rule to be, and you judge others, that can be difficult. And I don't know what the issue could be. I think there's a lot of issues in our day. It's not the issue we want to attack one by one. It's not drinking, it's not eating, it's not whether you went on a vacation, it's not how you spend your money, it's not what you watch on TV. The issue is the heart. And Paul addresses the heart by saying this, that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowledge doesn't only include academic knowledge. Knowledge here is the word gnosis. So it's even knowing God. So I could experience God in amazing ways, his grace, his goodness. I could intellectually know God more than you, but it's not just speaking of an intellectual knowledge. It's speaking of 
a master knowledge of spirituality, of grace, of growing with him. But what he is saying is that that is not in community the most important thing. And the difficulty is, as when we experience God or we come to know some truth theologically or we, yeah, experience the Holy Spirit in an amazing way, one of the great dangers in that is it puffs us up. We think our way is the only way then. We think we have this superior experience or theological knowledge. Remember, I'm not saying one or the other, but anything that would make us think that we are better than another. Oh, I, I experienced God in an intellectual way more than you. Or I've experienced God in... Um, his Holy Spirit in hearing his voice in a certain way. And if I think I'm better in any way, I'm in great difficulty. And if I look down upon you and say, well, you need to, to pull up your bootstraps or you can't do that, that leads to great problems. It's almost like there's a danger. Of course, we want to experience God. We want to know God with our minds and our hearts. We want all of that. But the great danger is, if this is me, and I have my little balloon here. It's pink, but anyways. Uh, it was uh, Carter's birthday on Friday, so maybe we'll blow some of these up next time I see him. But anyways, it's like I would... learn something, experience something, know something about God. The first danger is I make myself a little bigger. That's the word, puff up, become arrogant, look down upon. Is it wrong to know God? Absolutely not. Is it wrong to know him in intellectually, experientially? Absolutely not. But the danger is look at me, look at me, look at me. And then... Yeah, I'm feeling really good about myself. I, wow, man. And then I think everyone has to be like me and experience God like me and know God like me. But the problem is, he says in the next verse, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing as he ought to know. There's a great danger. Certainly we want to grow. And Paul even prays in Ephesians that you would know God, but... Without love, it means nothing. And I grow and I grow. And what a danger this is. Oh, whether it's the rules. Listen, you can't do that. Actually, Paul calls them the weak ones. If you're a measure and it's all about the rules and you get your value in that, Paul would say, well, you're the weak one. Um, but maybe you've experienced grace in an amazing way and you have tremendous freedom he says, be careful, be careful, because you could quickly puff yourself up and then look down on the other. And that's the whole passage. You can eat me and you have that freedom, but if you have that knowledge and look down on those who need those, those rules not to do it and you offend them and lead them into sin, that's a big problem, you're singing against Christ. But watch out, you grow up, because what happens, Truly, uh-oh, you know nothing. <laughs> Woo, there it goes. You think you experience God, 
and you are, but there's so much more. And truly, we have to be careful because if you think you know anything, maybe you truly don't know as much as you do. And he's specifically telling them love is the better way. God is always about community. We love to personalize everything. And in some ways we should. The Bible talks about it. It's me and God. But it's not me and God to just be me and God. It's not me and God and my family just to be me and God and my family. There's always a broader picture. I'm not going to be in heaven alone. I'm going to be with the community of believers. And I'm practicing in some ways now what that looks like. He says clearly love is the way. Love edifies. Love doesn't puff up like the balloon. Rather, it builds up. Knowledge is crucial, experiencing God for the purpose in love to build myself and the body. I'm a builder. Love builds. It edifies. It doesn't blow me up. It rather builds others up. It's interesting, the Greek word, as I looked into that, like edifying, just to see it a little more, it means home building, home builder. So love in me is a builder of others. Do I have this great freedom to understand Christ? Yeah, he's showing me I'm growing. But for my weaker brother, love is the trump card that I'm not going to use my freedom if it's going to hurt you, but I want to build you up. Now, obviously, we're not talking about things that are plain Jane in the scripture, what sin is. We're talking about these secondary things and basically that's what we judge people on anyways it's not usually the primary things it's the secondary things but we are called to build one another up to be home builders community builders church builders kingdom of god builders and the key ingredient is agape and that's why in 1 Corinthians 13, as he's going to lead and build to that point where he says, you could have all knowledge, you can have the answer to all mysteries, you could have all gifts, you could speak in prophetic words or languages or heal or know all mysteries or have all gnosis intellectually or experientially. But if you have not love, he says in 1 Corinthians 13, what? It is nothing. It is nothing. Remember, it's community-driven. We need to be building our homes. Not that I know more than my children or my spouse, but I am to build. My love goes beyond anything else. And Christ's love, as he knew all things, would allow him to deal with us the weaker to build, to build, to build. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to build. And you might have freedom in whatever area it is, but someone might looking at you and says, I can't, I can't handle that. So my love for you doesn't want you to stumble. So if it's something I have freedom in and you see me, I won't do that. Paul specifically says at the end, I'll never again do it. If it's going to cause you to stumble, secondary thing, whatever it is. And I do think there's an indication it is in a public space 
that he says if you see them eating in a public space or you're over with them eating and someone has a problem with that, well, of course, I'm not going to do that. Home builders, that's what we want to be edifying, building the church in love, not thinking of ourselves, truly having a knowledge at times, but yes, living in that, but building you up. I've heard it in a great example, maybe to bring it home to us today in a final example. In World War II, in the early days, it was said that ships uh, traveling Allied ships from the east coast of Europe would be attacked by U-boats. So if a ship was on its way, a cargo ship or whatever, it would be attacked and destroyed. So to fix that or remedy that problem, the ships began to travel in the early port part of the war in large convoys together. So you'd have fast ships, you'd have slow ships, but the fast ships would slow down to protect the slow ships. And in doing that, they saved so many lives. Now think about that. I might, you might have a greater knowledge in whatever way that looks like. But to protect the weaker brother, we will, in love, work together to protect one another. And I love that. Yeah, I might have this understanding and freedom and knowledge isn't bad, but it certainly can puff up. But love is what's going to build the body of Christ. And personally, unfortunately, I've seen it happen in my own actions way too much the other way. Too focused on how I've experienced God or too focused on what I'm learning and I'm not concerning how to build someone else up so that they can grow in the things of the Lord. If they have that weak conscience that they're measuring and worried about rules, I'm not to judge them, but I'm to help them, to build them up in the things of the Lord. And oftentimes, if we're worried about our truth and all this truth that we know, Really, it is how it says that we bury people, that we judge people, that we condemn people instead of truly loving, building, and encouraging. So Paul does answer their question, but I guess the answer isn't whether you can do it or not. I think his answer to that is obvious. It's rather this. We need to be concerned in love about building up the body of Christ. Lord, would you help us today? So Jesus, we all need more love. We need your love, we need agape. We need uh, at times to be less concerned about all the ways that we're growing in, to be more concerned about our brothers and sisters in fellowship. God, you've called us into community, into a great kingdom to work with one another. Lord, we ask you for more love today. May we not think of ourselves better or worse, but may we love one another. May we agape one another by the power of your Holy Spirit. Yeah, Lord Jesus, help us. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Well, have a great week and we'll see you soon.